0: So again, we're glad that you're joining us here um, this morning. My name is Tyler Schoenberger. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in a series from the book of Philippians called A New Level of Good. So we are continuing that this morning. You know, there are certain people in our lives that God brings into them that when you think of these certain people, when you remember them, your heart is just filled with good things with good memories, with joy when you just think of these people. And for the sake of today, I'm I'm not necessarily talking about people who you see all the time anymore, but I'm more thinking of the people that, you know, maybe you just don't interact with them much anymore. Maybe they moved away. Maybe you moved away. Maybe life circumstances just, you can't, you don't see them much. Um, Maybe they even passed away. But whatever the circumstance is, you just think of them And your heart and mind is flooded with good memories. And as we've read, we've read this passage a few times now in the first chapter of Philippians, but Paul shared these same types of sentiments with the Philippian church. So let's read it again, Philippians chapter 1, 3 through 8. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you as we start, you know, who are some of those people to you. If you're watching online, go ahead and comment. You know, comment, share some of those people with us. I mean, if you wanna tag them, tag them, bring them on in, you know, uh, to watch the service. They'll probably wonder what is going on over here. Um, But even if not, just share who those people have been in your own life. Send a message with them later. Just uh, copy Philippians chapter one and just say, you know, every time I think of you, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. I'm blessed to be flooded with so many of those people that come to mind, always encouraging, you know, always fill my heart with joy. And I don't see them hardly at all anymore, but every time that I think of them, my heart is filled with joy. I mean, you don't, I mean you're not going to know who these names are. Maybe you're watching, but... Um, Pastor Jeff Wells, Jesse Topper, the Chris Wells, the Blacks, the Kendalls, Troy Miller, Tyler Miller, Wesley Stoutenauer, Justin Fink. You know, every time I think and just say those names, my heart is filled with joy and remembrance, and I thank God for who they are to me and what they've meant to me over the course of my life. And you know, I've barely even scratched the surface of people that I could name. I'm surely blessed because of that. But again, every time I think of them, my heart is just filled with joy and great things. And when Paul starts Philippians, he has those same types of feelings toward the Philippian church. But have you ever wondered why? Why? What made the Philippian church so special to Paul? Just let me highlight these verses again. Verse seven, he said, "'It is right for me to feel this way, about you all, because I hold you in my heart. Verse eight says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. These people he's writing to certainly hold a special place in his heart. And we can actually discover why by looking at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is the account of Paul's first visit to Philippi, where the Philippian church started. Acts 16, verse 12, it says, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, we remained in this city some days. So in this story, Paul and Silas, they meet three different people and start the church in Philippi. They start the church of Philippi into motion. And I believe that why Paul had such an affection toward the Philippian church, toward these people, was the relationship that he had with these people from the very beginning. Look again at verse five, right, Philippians 1, 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And in Acts 16, we actually get a picture of what those first days looked like and who the people were that were a part of it. And the first person we hear mentioned in Acts 16 is a woman named Lydia. So let's look, Acts 16, 13, let's continue on. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. It's like a Sabbath women's Bible study on the river. Okay, it's pretty cool. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now, the first thing I want to mention about the church in Philippi is that the very first convert in the church was a woman. So I want to give a big old shout out to all the women out there. All right, girl power, or whatever you want to say. Never underestimate the part that women have to play play in the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth the grand story women are not second tier citizens in the kingdom of god lydia was baptized and then her whole household was as well lydia's house became the headquarters for the beginning of the philippian church you know Maybe why the Philippian church was so successful in the first place was that it had a women's touch, a woman's touch from the very beginning, all right? Yeah, I'm not not too manly to admit that, okay? It was started with a woman. And Lydia was a remarkable woman. She really was. It's important to understand her background. It says she was from the city of Thyatira, which was known for wool, and dying, not like dying, but dye is in dying clothes. Okay, she was from Thyatira, but she had a house in Philippi, most likely because Philippi was, as verse 12 said, a leading city in the district of Macedonia. So let me paint this picture for you. Lydia is from Thyatira. She has a house in Philippi. She sells purple goods, which, by the way, purple was a very expensive dye. So all of this into account translates into this. Lydia was loaded. <laughs> she was rich, filthy, rich. She was an experienced business woman. She was like a modern day Vera Wang. I mean, I'm not too up on my women's fashion designers, but um, whatever popular women's fashion designers there, you can insert there. That's kind of who Lydia was. She was a well off, smart, put together businesswoman. And we also glean that she was a worshiper of God. What does that mean? Well, look again at where Paul found her. It says, "In on the Sabbath day, so Paul finds her on the Sabbath day, we went outside of the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So again, this was kind of like a women's prayer gathering on the Sabbath day. One who heard us was Lydia. So Lydia was a Gentile woman who embraced a monotheistic faith. Just basically meaning that she believed that there was one true God. She believed that there was one true God. She was also likely following parts of the law, the Ten Commandments. But here's the key point. She wasn't quite there yet. She wasn't quite there yet. She didn't quite get it yet. She was a seeker. She was trying to connect the dots of her faith together, trying to understand what it all means. We're not exactly sure what Paul told her to make her understand for her to put the dots together, but I'm certain he did just that. He connected the dots. It reminds me of the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. In Luke chapter 24, It says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so I feel like that's what Paul did, right? He showed the scriptures and interpreted the things concerning Jesus. In verse 32, later on in Luke 24, it says, They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? This is what happened essentially to Lydia. I believe Paul did the same for her, Acts 16, 14. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And so Lydia is baptized and she's the first ever recorded convert in the Philippian church. She was well put together. She was wealthy, she was thoughtful, she was high society, she was a highly intellectual person. And so listen, here's the important part. Paul engaged her intellect. Paul went for her intellect. He showed her the knowledge found in Scripture of the things that she had been trying to put together. Just this past week, Ravi Zacharias passed away. If you don't know who Ravi was, he was a brilliant man. He was an apologist. I believe not only was he one of the most brilliant Christians who ever lived, he's also one of the just most brilliant men who have ever lived. He was an amazing apologist, amazing depth of knowledge of our faith. Ravi, all over the world, engaged people's intellect, pointing them towards ultimate truth in Jesus. And like Ravi did... Paul engaged Lydia's intellect and points her to Jesus. And then she and her whole household are baptized. What an amazing story. But that's just one of the three people that we meet. Just one. After Lydia, Paul comes across the next person we hear about in Acts 16. And it's another woman, but this time... It's a slave girl. Acts 16, 16 to 18. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to her, and the spirit, excuse me, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So this is the next person we hear of. This slave girl, who essentially she has a demon that could tell fortunes. And she brings her owners much gain by doing it. Right, People come to have their fortunes told. The slave girl brings in money for her owners. And this slave girl, she begins following Paul and those following him, Paul and the crew, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She does it for many days. Now, here's what's important to note here. Watch this. How does Paul engage the slave girl nothing like he engaged Lydia Paul engages the slave girl remarkably different look what he does Paul having become greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her Paul didn't engage this girl's intellect at all he didn't sit down with her and say hey Do you know that you have an evil spirit inside of you? Let me turn to the pages of scripture that explain it. And let me explain to you what's going on in your life. He didn't do that. He approached it. And he said right to the spirit inside, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. He knew that there was a spiritual battle going on with the slave girl. So Paul engages Lydia with intellect And knowledge but Paul engages the slave girl spiritually with spiritual power and with spiritual authority I command to you in the name of Jesus Christ come out of her listen this is important some of us may be fighting spiritual battles with intellect that ain't gonna work It's not gonna work. Maybe you need to quit reading more books, quit reading more articles to solve your problem, and you just need to get on your face and pray, deliver me from evil, oh Lord. Break the chains inside my heart. And some of us, we think we're fighting spiritual battles when all we need to do is just to get in the word. Get in the word and see and learn more about who God is. The Philippian church was started by engaging one woman's intellect and then engaging another woman's spiritual state, her spiritual battle. Both, both are vitally important. Both are vitally important. But there's one more conversion in Acts chapter 16 that we hear mentioned. It's the Philippian jailer. So after Paul commands the demon out of the slave girl, her owners get mad now because now they can't make any money. Demon's gone. Now the slave girl who is bringing in some cash, she doesn't have the ability to tell fortunes anymore. And so the owners of the slave girl get mad and they have Paul and Silas thrown into prison. And so we pick the story up, Acts 16, verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So our first introduction to the Philippian jailer is that he was ordered to keep Paul and Silas safely in prison. The jailer, keep them safe in the prison. Do you notice how he interpreted safely? Verse 24, having received this order, you know, keep them safe. He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, you have to fully understand what this means. Here's the picture. Stocks weren't those like little handcuff things that you'd like, you know, put your hands through. You go to like Liberty Square and Disney World and you, you put your hands through there and the kids smile through the thing. That, that wasn't what these stocks were, okay? They weren't like little handcuffs. They were actually contortion devices that would contort your body into specific postures so that your whole body would be forced into horrible cramps you would just continually cramp up because your body's in a position that it was never meant to be in. So the jailer wasn't really a nice guy. He was like, hmm, how can I keep them safe? I know, I'll put them in the inner prison in the stocks and just mess them up for a while. That was his interpretation of keep them safely in prison. But watch what happens. supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So we don't have much background on the Philippian jailer. We just gather a few things from what we hear. But we know, we kind of get the picture, he's a man's man. You know, he's a man's man. Really gruff. He's tough. He's a master of the craft. Like blue collar ex-Marine kind of, kind of guy, right? He's hard. He's all about duty. When he wakes up and sees the prison open, he was going to kill himself because he didn't fulfill his duty. He's probably a very honorable man. He's by the book. And how does Paul engage him? He engaged Lydia through her intellect. He engaged a slave girl by confronting her spiritual state. How does he engage the Philippian jailer? Watch this. The jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open. That's what he woke up to. Everyone was likely gone. So he has the sword and he's going to kill himself. But listen, Paul didn't leave yet. Paul didn't leave yet. He had unfinished business to attend to. Paul engaged the jailer by his example, by his testimony of his own faith and love for Jesus. Paul and Silas didn't run out of the prison because they had already been released from prison, the prison of our sin. And so Paul and Silas decided, I'm gonna stay a little longer and show this man what love is. With full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul and Silas, they hung out a little bit longer just to testify to the jailer that their chains were already broken. They were already free. And they wanted to share that with this man. Look at verse 27. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul didn't leave yet. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced all along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This hard man's man duty bound guy, macho man goes from that to praising God for saving him. Why? Because Paul didn't leave yet. Paul engaged Lydia through her intellect. He engaged the slave girl in her spiritual state and he engaged the jailer by his example. The word and action of his testimony Showing him what true faith and love looked like. Look, I'm not leaving yet. I'm staying here for you. Did you notice it wasn't the miracle of the earthquake and the prison shaking that saved the jailer. You tend to might think, wow, he witnessed this amazing miracle of Paul and Silas singing and the the prison doors being opened and so he was saved. That wasn't the case at all. He ran through the miracle and he was about to kill himself. That's not what saved the jailer. What saved the jailer was the simple love that Paul and Silas showed by not leaving. And that is how the Philippian church was started. Just three people And that's how this church was started. Now, let me read this again to you. And as I read this, don't just read the words on the page, on the screen. Now I want you to read it and think of the people behind the words. Think of Lydia. Think of the slave girl. Think of the Philippian jailer. Listen, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. means a little more now, doesn't it? These people were special to Paul. They were so special to him because he was there and he saw it. This church was very special. A beautiful portrait of what the church can and frankly should be. What made the Philippian church so special? Well, you know what? What kind of church is started with a rich fashionista, a possessed slave girl, and a macho man jailer. What kind of church is started like that? I say a really good one, a really good one. You know, we tend to gravitate towards people who are the same as us, don't we? And yet this story shows us that the gospel transcends race. It transcends socioeconomics. It transcends culture. It transcends status. It transcends aptitude. What in the world, the power of the gospel to impact a smart, put-together businesswoman and also a slave girl with likely hardly any education at all? That's the gospel. And church, that is the church right there. We were never called to congregate with people who are the same as us. As a matter of fact, if we ever look around our church and we just see sameness, we're not doing something right. We're not doing it right. You know what, as I was thinking about this passage, you know, it made me even more thankful. I'm thankful for this. I can't see you in the pews right now. But I know when we come back together, because I know you, you know what I know? When we come together and sit in these pews again, I'm going to see different races. I'm going to see people from different socioeconomic statuses, I'm going to see different ages. I'm going to see different places in our spiritual journeys. I'm going to see people who have been Christians their whole lives. I'm going to see people who stand in silence. I'm going to stand, see people who dance and yell. I'm going to hear people shouting. I'm going to see people who just became Christians. I'm even going to see non-Christians. Why? Because that's what happens when you live to reach all people with nothing but Jesus. That's what happens. That's the result. That's what happens when you're sick of going back to normal and you're ready to go to a whole new level of good. First Corinthians chapter nine. For though I am free from all, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Listen. That's why Paul can reach Lydia. And he can also reach the slave girl. And he can also reach the Philippian jailer. What made the Philippian church so beautiful is the collection of these different people who were all shown the depth of the gospel in similar and yet very different ways. The level of diversity and the level of unity found in the Philippian church is something to be cherished, reminded of, and to strive for. How did this church, started with such a ragtag team of people, become the church that probably, arguably, Paul praises the most in the New Testament? How does that happen? Because they were focused on nothing but Jesus. That's the only explanation. That's it. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 25 now. Look at this. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Look, watch this verse. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, verse 27. I've heard this quoted before, but not in context. Oh, this is is just a golden law-driven verse that you can just pull out and have some real fun with, right? Well, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So you can't watch that movie, and you can't listen to this music, and you have to act like this, and here's what you can buy, and here's what you can't buy. You know, we love that one. That's that's a great law verse. Well, just make sure your manner of life is worthy of the gospel. But look at the passage again. You misread it. Let me take the clause out about whether I come or I'm absent. I'm allowed to do that, by the way. It's, it's, I'm not taking things out of context here. I'm doing a prove-a-point, okay? So there you go. Now let me pull this out. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side-by-side side for the faith of the gospel. Isn't that striking? Listen, our manner of life being worthy of the gospel isn't about all those legalist things that we attach to it. Our manner of life being worthy of the gospel is when we are standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What's the new level of good that we've been talking about? What is it? Here it is. That's what it is, I think that this new level of good isn't just for Reach Church, but it's for the church all around the world. It's about time that we strive side by side for the sake and faith of the gospel with one mind, with one spirit. So I just have one more question. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Ready to get your mind blown? here we go this is why I had to stand up today let me just rearrange the verse in a different order here we go again I promise I'm not changing the context okay look only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that I may hear of you that you are standing firm with one mind in one spirit striving side by side for the faith of the gospel I counted three watch this let your manner of light be worthy of the gospel, so that I may hear that you are standing firm with one mind. You might say with one intellect. Why? To reach the Lydia's of the world. Stand firm in one mind so we can reach the Lydia's of the world. Listen, we're not going back to a new level of normal. Those days are over. We're not going back to shallowness anymore. We're not going to let busyness hamper our time in getting in the word and growing in our knowledge of Jesus. We're gone to a new level of good in our intellect. And I'm not talking about playing how many theology, seminary words I can say in a sentence or debating how many angels can stand on the head of a pin. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about articulating how the grand story of scripture is about nothing but Jesus, that it is finished and we're sharing nothing but one message with one mind. So to all the Lydia's out there, we say we're coming for you. Now is your day of salvation. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit. In one spirit to reach the slave girls of the world. We're not going back to a new level of normal. We're not going back to the mundane and the routine. Those days are over. They're over. We're not going to church to check a box anymore. We're not gonna be snooty. We're not gonna be snobby and so out of touch that we forget about the real battle right in front of us. We're going to a new level of good with one spirit. We're gonna realize that there's no more room for the mundane and the routine when we're going to spiritual battle for our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are right there We're going to battle for them. That's who we're going to battle for. We're coming with an expectation each and every day that our God saves, that nothing is impossible for the Lord, that he breaks the chains, that he breaks the strongholds. And somehow in some way, he does it in our praise. So we're gonna play it louder and sing all the more louder because we're going to battle for the slave girls of the world. We're coming for you. Now is your day for salvation. There's nobody too far, nobody too far for the Lord. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that I may hear of you that you are standing firm, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, striving side by side by our example, to reach the Philippian jailers of the world. We're not going back to a new level of normal. We're not rushing out of the prison and missing the mission that is right in front of us. We're dropping the skeptical attitudes. We're not gonna be so focused on my needs, my preferences, my schedule, that we don't realize what's happening right in front of us. There's the jailer right in front of you quit rushing out of the prison we're going to a new level of good we're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel we're going to lay our lives down and sacrifice our own time we're gonna sacrifice our own preferences we're gonna sacrifice our very lives we're going to live like we are truly indeed ambassadors for Christ we're going to live if we, as if we truly believe that God is making his appeal through us. Shouldn't that change our lives if we actually believe that the God of the universe is making his appeal through us? We're even going to sit in prison, and we're going to wait if it means showing someone else the love of Jesus. Jesus because they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. So to all the Philippian jailers out there, we say we're coming for you. We are going to show you the example of love and sacrifice that Jesus has shown us. Playtime is over church playtime's over we're not going back to a new level of normal we'll never be the same we're going to a whole new level of good let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of christ so that i might hear of you that you are standing firm with one mind in one spirit striving side by side for the faith of the gospel you know, this, uh, this song, this passage reminds me we were never meant to continue on in the normal. Listen, we're called to go from glory to glory, from one degree of glory to another. We're being transformed into the same image of Jesus himself. And so how could we ever be the same? How could we ever go back to the same? and normal. We'll never be the same because we're going from glory to glory to glory. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's go from glory to glory and never be the same again. Let's go to the new level of good. Reach church and church all around the world. It's time for the new level of good. Let's strive side by side for the faith of gospel. Let's be changed. Come on.